Hi, and welcome to Yeah, That Can't Be Good, the Wonderfalls edition with me, Vicki, and my co-host, Doug Gramley. Now, here's Doug, not Doug Gramley, with a podcast disclaimer. Yeah, That Can't Be Good is a frequent line used by Sheriff Jack Carter in the original subject of this podcast, the sci-fi original series Eureka, and is not intended as commentary on any of the series covered here. Let's get going! And this is Doug with the IMDB credits for Wonderfalls, Season 1, Episode 2, Karma Chameleon, series created by Brian Fuller and Tom Holland, written by Tim Minear, and directed by Marta Grabiak. Original air date, March 19th, 2004. Hey, get her words out. And now the quick cap from Karma Chameleon. Upset after only receiving five words in her mother's book blurb, Jay befriends Bianca, who first presents herself as a runaway. Jay believes that the mission given to her by the fish and the stuffed chameleon to get her words out is to help Bianca or Binky with her stuttering. Later, Jay begins to suspect Binky of being a stalker, then discovers that she is a reporter writing a story about Jay, which she is ready to abandon due to her anxiety over getting started. She wants Jay's stress-free life. Jay realizes that the only way to help Binky and to get the article written is to write it herself and submit it under Binky's name. Get her words out. Get her words out. So it's no secret that we record remotely, but today, due to a case of missing keys, Dud Gramley is recording from his car. So if there's even more background noise than usual, apologies. Get her words out. Okay, so we're back with season one, episode two or three, depending on where you look. Karma Chameleon. The talking object is a stuffed chameleon and a mounted fish at the bar. And the message is, get her words out. So IMDb has this listed as the second episode, but the DVD has it as a third. So I'm guessing they aired it out of order for some reason. But we're just going with this because this is the one I watched and this is the one I had Doug Gramley watch. One thing I forgot to tell you last week, when I first asked you to do this series, you were looking at the cast. Yeah. And you saw Adam Scott in there. Yes. And he does show up as a guest star, I believe. But he was originally cast as the brother. I could see that. I think that would have been a good role. And he actually filmed some of it. And then he became unavailable. And I was trying to figure out what he came unavailable for. But he did like three movies right around the same time. So I'm not sure. So the scene in the pilot where the brother's in the trailer and they're all doing that intervention. Yeah. They had to reshoot that later because that was already shot with Adam Scott. Oh. So I don't know if there would have been more scenes with her brother in that pilot. That was really the only one, I think. Yeah, he does. I don't think he showed up again. No, until this episode. Right. Well, what did you think of this episode? I thought it was pretty good. I laughed out loud when they were reading the insert <laughs> on the, the mother's book. Yeah. And they got to her little blurb. Yeah. That was funny. You know, I didn't really get the whole stalker thing that was going on. What do you mean? The girl that was following her, like that whole storyline, the single white female, whatever. It was too much back and forth. Like, it, it started off good, and I think the storyline there had good potential. But then they reveal what's going on, and you're like, oh, okay. But then you, you realize that you still have half the show left. But then they go back, so she's good, and then she's bad, and then she's good again, and then she's bad again. It was just too much back and forth. I kind of like that, though. 
I see what you're saying, but I kind of like that. First, they think she's a stalker, and then they realize she's a, a reporter. But the way she played it, there was always a little bit of question about whether she really was a stalker. That's what I'm saying. Like, is she was a stalker, but then, like, no, she's a reporter. She's doing a story. But then that information's out now, so you would think that, okay, let's move on to, like, the next part. But then it goes back to her being stalkerish again. Yeah, and I kind of liked that. It kept switching. We thought she was a stalker. And I even wrote in my notes later on, like when Jay goes into the van, or even when she first steals her wallet, she's taking pictures of her in her car. Yeah. That's stalker. That has nothing to do with investigative reporting. Why does she need a bunch of pictures of her in her car? So they kept flipping it. This girl, well, first, as soon as I saw her, I thought this was a different episode. And I'm not saying that she comes back. I just had a different episode in mind because this girl played a stalkerish kind of person in Glee. So I immediately went to stalker. And she does a good job playing a stalker. Oh, yeah. I mean, she shows up to work and she looks just like Jay. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. I will say, like, I thought um, Mouth Breather's character was super annoying to me. Now I could see... I think the last time I said that he didn't really seem that bad and, and the animosity between the two of them like needs to be punched up a little bit. Yeah. And I think like they did a good job with that this, yeah. this episode. They did, yeah. And still, though, the animosity was there when he was reading the notes about Oh yeah, her calling him a mouth breather. <laughs> yeah. There is animosity between them, but it kind of seems like a mutual animosity. Like I said, he's not her nemesis, but he did step it up in this. Oh, it, it definitely it flows both ways. They, yeah. They're both alike. It's just her. Can't stand him. I, he doesn't. I don't think he likes her. No. No. Either. <laughs> but I like the point he yells about his deviated septum. Yeah. You said a lot of things. This part here where you call me a mouth breather. That's my favorite. That was taken out of context. Yeah, just so you know, I have a deviated septum, and I have to wait three more years for my cartilage to stop growing before I can have the surgery. I know you used to watch Buffy, but I think you didn't watch the whole thing, right? I feel like at some point I, I was really into it, and then once they start making too many changes, I lose interest. Yeah, I kind of remember you stopped watching when they brought in Michelle Trachtenberg as her sister that she never had. Yeah. And I don't remember when this guy came in, but I know he was there at the end. I think his name was Andrew in the show. I can't even remember. But he was hilarious. In the show, every time something happened to him, he would yell about his shin splints. I have shin yeah. splints. Do you know who I'm talking about? No. Oh. I don't. But that's what this kind of reminded me of. I have a deviated set. <laughs> that made me laugh. I don't know. So in this episode, we find out what her family does for a living. Yeah. Because I don't think we knew any of it, except the lawyer part, but the I knew she... for her sister. Right. But she's an immigration lawyer, and her mother's an author, and she's a travel author. Her brother studies religion, and her father's a doctor. We still don't know what kind. So Aaron, again, seems fixated on the fact that she lives in a trailer. That's always all he has to say about her. Yeah. Even though she mentions later on that he still lives at home. Right. But she's the loser for living in a trailer. So, you know, we get through the whole thing of Bianca stealing Jay's wallet and she comes to return it with extra money in it, which kind of didn't make sense because she told her she stole it because she didn't have gas in her van. So where did she get money to put in her wallet? Right. And Alex is extremely impressed with her folding skills. Yeah. That was the most amazing bit of folding I have ever witnessed. Are these gap corners? Do you work at the Galleria? They give her a job to replace the girl that Jay never noticed wasn't there anymore. Right. <laughs> Who would quit the summer prior. Yeah. Yeah. So Jay thinks that getting the job 
helped her get her words out. Yeah, it's, it's the message she's misunderstanding. Yes, I think that's what the show's about. She's misunderstanding because there's not a lot to understand by the little things that they tell her to do. Well, this it didn't make sense. You know, the last episode was she was seeing a lot of things were talking to her. Right. And there was a lot of different messages. Right. This one was just those two characters, and it was the same thing for both of them. And if that's the point of the show, I think that's got to be front and center more. You know what I'm saying? Like, it only happened, like, two or three times, I think, where the chameleon and the fish on the wall said something to her. Right. So I feel like if, if that's the point of the show... If that's the thing, it's got to be more. Yeah, I get it. I see what you're saying, yeah. And maybe because I've already seen it, it's not occurring to me that, yeah, for somebody who's just watching for yeah. the first time, that, yeah, it needs to be more. I'm waiting for something else to, to jump up and start talking to her, too. Right. It wasn't there in this episode. Right, so. and if and if I remember correctly, and, it, and my memory's not what it used to be, so I was kind of surprised there was a fish in this episode because I thought that it was just one object per episode. I know the pilot had more than one, but I thought going forward it was just one object, but I could be totally wrong, and I am because in this one the fish was talking to her too. Yeah. So I don't know going forward if it's just one single object or if it's more. For some reason I feel like that fish talks a lot. Did that talk in the pilot too? I don't remember. I don't either. Maybe. I think maybe it did. Because it was behind, it's behind the bar. Right. And I feel like she was sitting at the bar and, and talking to something. Right. Maybe it was the fish. Yeah. And then last week, it was the monkey, too. It wasn't just the lion. Right. It was the monkey, the lion, the quarter, the little thing on the quiet. I didn't speak to her, but it still moved. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So it was a couple things. So I don't know. I think because I saw it already, it's not occurring to me that, yes. It would make sense if more things talked or if they talked more. Yeah, I get that. So Bianca starts to morph into Jay. And at first, Jay doesn't think there's a problem with that. And even after she shoots Alec in the eye with a Nerf gun. Yeah. But her friend Mahandra does think there's a problem. There were no orders to hurt or maim. Bianca's a free agent. And she's fun. You should come out with us. I thought we could take her clubbing. Baby seals? Can you hear the seals, Clarice? They're screaming. Shut up. She's sweet and perfectly normal. But the next day, Bianca is Jay. So much so that Alec and Jay's father both mistake her for Jay. Her relationship with her father doesn't seem that bad. Yeah. It seems like he's much more supportive of her. Yeah. And totally different from her mother. Yeah. If he was the one with the book and the blurb, the blurb would have been much better. Yeah. Again, like her relationship with her family, like, yeah, they're critical. You know, they might poke at her a little bit and instigate her. But the fact that they had to redo the blurb for all of them and her brother and sister were willing to give up part of their allotment to give to her so she could have a little bit more. It's a small gesture. You know, I don't know if it was them who decided it or if the, the father talked them into it or whatever. But still, it was like they did it. They both seemed to really enjoy, you know, what the mother wrote about them. Yes. You know, it was like a big ego boost for both of them. Yeah. For them to give up, you know, the whole thing about this episode was, you know, about words and then we get the words out or whatever. So the fact that they were both willing to give up some of their words for her seems like okay the relationship again is really not that bad like you said it's a lot of judgment and i get it you know how much judgment can you take so you you limit your exposure to it but it's not like as bad as it could be i guess wait 
Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Space, the final frontier, or is it? Discover the podcast of a couple of moms who love Star Trek and happen to have kids on the autism spectrum. Join Vicki and Elizabeth as we explore strange new worlds, the Star Trek Discovery series, autism, and whatever else comes to mind. We're Moms Going Boldly, and you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. Hey, Doug Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Doug here from the 13th Warehouse. If you're a fan of Warehouse 13, please join Kim and Vicki over at the 13th Warehouse at the13thwarehouse.com. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse. Attention Warehouse fans. Kim and Vicky continue on with the warehouse theme on the 13th Warehouse with Friday the 13th, the 1988 television series. Follow Mickey, Ryan, and Jack as they hunt for cursed antiques sold by Uncle Lewis to unsuspecting and sometimes suspecting patrons of his antique shop. So stick with us on the 13th Warehouse for Friday the 13th, the series. You can listen to the 13th Warehouse on our website, the13thwarehouse.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Later on that night, Mahandra is even more convinced that there's a problem when Bianca comes into the bar looking like Jay and wearing her vest. And finally, Jay, I think, is getting it that, well, she got it when she saw her in the store. I think she agrees there's a problem at this point. At this point, her stutter's gone, too. Right. So Jay tries to enlist her sister into helping her contact Bianca's parents since Bianca told her she was a runaway. I thought that scene was so funny because the sister was just eating the entire time she was in that trailer. She was in the refrigerator. She was eating, I think, cherries. Okay, don't be I was paying that much attention. Then Jay gave her her cup and she was drinking something. And then when she drags her out to go to the bar, she has, like, celery in her mouth. Like, she yeah. spent the whole time in the refrigerator. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that was funny, but it was. So Mahandra calls her and tells her that Bianca is sitting on her stool and trying to get information about her from Eric. Then when she turns around, Bianca's standing there. So again, she plays a really good stalker. And we don't see the conversation that seemed to clear things up for Mahandra. So when Jay gets there and yells at her, she looks like a jerk. And you know what? Even though Mahandra called her and says to her in front of her sister and Eric that she cleared things up and Jay, Jay just didn't know that she cleared things up. Yeah. She still looks like the jerk. And I think she could have gotten a little bit of leeway there. You know, because she calls her and tells her to come down. This woman is becoming her and blah, blah, blah. And she runs down there. And in the meantime, everything's cleared up, but she doesn't know it. Yeah. And it's not really cleared up, but she doesn't know it. And even though Mahandra explains that, oh, I tried to call you back, it's not that she's trying to become you. She's trying to help you write your blurb. Right. She still looks like a jerk. Yeah. And I think she should have got some consideration for the fact that she was told that this was going on. And then when she got there, it wasn't that, but she didn't know that. Am I making sense? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I get it. Right. But they didn't get the whole story. They got the story that Bianca was asking about Jay because she, she wanted to help her write the blurb for her dust cover. Yeah. Okay, that was totally uncalled for. What? That was totally called for. You're the one who called for it. Yeah, Um. I tried to call you back. Binky was just asking questions because she wanted to help write your blurb for the book jacket. 
Daughter Jay, a philosopher, resides in Niagara Falls, where she inspires with effortless, undemanding style. Oh, the runaway wrote that. And it was a really nice blurb. So now everybody thinks Jay's an idiot and she feels bad. Sort of, she doesn't feel that bad. Well, she does feel bad that she wrote a nice thing, but I think she doesn't, she doesn't feel bad enough, obviously, because she goes to search her van after her sister leaves. Right. And that's the stalker's den. Yeah, that was that was a bit much. Yeah. So yeah, so the whole the whole story about her being a, a writer and stuff, it just didn't make sense to me. No, even when we got to the point in the van where she said that, I still thought she was lying because yeah. all this other behavior was stalkerish. Single white female. No, I'm stalking men, stabbing me, stealing my organs after you. And I think she had that tendency because later on she wants to be her because of the pressure she's under. Uh, you know, I, I think, yeah, she wanted to be Jay and she lost her stutter. She lost that nervousness that she had right. because she's realizing that this character, Jay, like she puts on this front like nothing bothers her. But behind closed doors, it kind of does. Right. But Bianca believes that nothing but bothers her. She doesn't her. see that. Yeah. Yes. And so she wants to be her. I did kind of think the whole time she was a stalker. And I think she has a little bit of that in her. Even though it turns out it was supposed to be all her anxiety about writing the article. And she couldn't take pressure and blah, blah, blah. I still think there's a little stalker in her. No matter what the truth is. Yeah. But Jay does finally believe her. Because she shows all the letters to the editor and all that stuff. But the editor is angry because she can't get the article started. So I think that's her big anxiety over everything. She just can't get started. And I think she might say that at some point. Yeah. But Jay is thrilled that somebody's going to write 5,000 words about her, even though it's not flattering. <laughs> right. That was the other, like, that's the other I think time where I left out loud was when she's like, like all angry. And then she says, well, how many words is it going to be? And she's like 5,000. Like, oh, okay. So honored. Right. You know, now she's afraid she's going to lose the article because she wants to give it up and live Jay's life because she she lives a stress-free life. So originally, like we said, we thought her mission was to get her words out, like to help her with her stuttering. But now she realizes it's to get her to write her article. Get her words out. But of course, most of her interest in helping her at this point, even though the thing is telling her to help her get her words out, most of her interest is purely selfish because she wants her oh, to write. Right. Yeah, but she lets her follower around and have full access to her life. While their lives may appear aimless and desultory, there's nothing random about the choices the Gen Y non-winner makes. Everything they do is for a single purpose, to avoid engaging with the world around them. Subject is reluctant to make eye contact with children or the elderly. And then as time goes on, Bianca seems to become more and more impressed and envious of Jay's stress-free life. Yeah. So when they're in the trailer drinking wine, did you get the impression that Bianca had put something in her wine? Mm, I don't think so. It's like Jay all of a sudden fell asleep and Bianca seemed creepy when she said, I think I have everything I need. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't think of it. Yeah, I did. she had that stalkery face on when Jay fell asleep. And she says, I think I have everything I need. But the way she said it, it was creepy. So I was yeah. like, did she put something in her wine? 
to make her go to sleep because then she's late for work and she gets fired. Uh, maybe. That makes sense. That's what I thought. But nobody ever says anything about it later. It's just she wakes right. up late. So I don't know. But like we said, the next morning Jay gets fired. And we already talked about this. Alec found all of Bianca's article notes. So he fires her. And Jay goes to her parents, which I thought was weird too. The last thing I would do if my parents were that. Right. But again, like she, she spoke to her father and her father was very nurturing. Right. Maybe she didn't expect her mother to be there. But yeah, you're right. Like that would be the last place that you'd want to go. Right. And Bianca's there. This is when she tells her she's going to live stress-free like Jay. When she says that, she turns on the scary stalker vibes. Like again. Yeah. Her sister and brother show up with the pizza wearing matching clothes. Like, yeah. what, what was that? Were they matching clothes? They seemed like it. It looked like they were out working out together. They had not red, but like kind of maroon tops on. Yeah. It looked like they were out running together or something, but they had, they weren't exactly the same clothes, but they were exactly the same color. It's like, okay, what is that about? So when Jay gets angry at the way she's winning her family over, and they argue over the plate and clearing the table and the plate breaks. Everybody acts like she's had some kind of breakdown. Yeah. It's a broken dish. Right. And then she tries to tell him that Bianca's a reporter and she's writing a 5,000 story word about her. I mean, even though Bianca says she was kidding and it wasn't real, I was glad that all came out, how upset Jay was about the five word blurb. Yeah. And she wanted to make her feel better by writing 5,000 words. That was kind of a good thing that that came out to her parents. That may have been the reason why they went back and changed it. Well, I thought that too, but I think her father already told her earlier that they changed the dust cover. Oh, did they? I think they knew she was upset when she first read it, but yeah. I think it hit home more. I don't think right. they realized how upset she was because she gives the impression that she doesn't care about anything. Yeah. So I was kind of glad that came out because you could see them all looking at each other like, oh, she actually does care about this and oh, we didn't do this properly, yeah. you know? So later, Eric tells her that although Bianca's trying to be her, she isn't even close to being her. So she takes yeah. that as a compliment, which I think is how it was meant, and that he would definitely want to read an article about her. That also kind of makes her feel better. Yeah. And then the fish says, Get her words out. But again, and finally, she realizes what she's supposed to do. And she writes the article herself and sends it out under Bianca's name. So it gets accepted, and Jay convinces her to go, to leave, by telling her that by taking credit for something she didn't do makes her an expert in the Gen Y experience. Yeah. And so Jay was able to help her get her words out. But then Jay came up with her own blurb, and it was something about being a work in progress. And that was pretty good. Yes, yeah. So she got her own words out. But, you know, she writes the article for her. She writes the blurb. They're both good. And she totally misses the fact that she's a pretty good writer, apparently. And yeah. could probably think about doing something along those lines. Even her mother compliments the writing of the article, not knowing it's her. Not knowing that it was her, right. Right. So that's something, you know, it's like, okay, she's probably really good at a lot of things, but I feel like she gets knocked down for everything she does. And she actually has to write an article and somebody else's name for her mother to give her a compliment because she doesn't know she's giving her a compliment. Yeah. But at the end, it was so weird how the family sat around the table at the restaurant. All of them are sitting at attention with their magazines open in front of them while the father reads. It was just so weird to me. Yeah. And again, it was, it ended like kind of wholesome. So again, like I feel like the show needs to punch up some of these conflicts a little bit more. Yeah. That, that's my take. And if, if I remember correctly, they will. But you know what? The, that restaurant is always bizarre to me. When you walk in, it looks like just a regular old neighborhood crappy bar. Yeah. 
So when they're in this restaurant, I don't think they're in the same place. Right. The restaurant part of it looks completely is not the same place as the bar. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple of times, couple times where I didn't think that it was the same place. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the bartender's there. Right. So I don't know. But I like this episode. I mean, I like the way it kept twisting. She's a runaway. She's a stalker. She's a reporter. Yeah, she's a stalker. Yeah. She's a reporter. She's a stalker reporter. I did like the, the way it kept twisting around. Yeah, again, like I, I wasn't thrilled about the back and forth, I guess. Yeah. I think it could have been done, I don't want to say better, but better, I guess. Like, I think you throw in one twist and then that's it. And then you follow that for a little bit and then you go back. You know, like if, if you find out this girl is a stalker and then all of a sudden there's a twist like, oh, no, she's writing an article about her. Yeah. Like, I just think it was like two back and forth. Like, where was the motivation? Like, what was the motivation for her to write this article? I don't know. She never really said where she came up with the idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's like how I told you, like the first episode, I was trying to figure out what's the point of the show. Right. And in this episode, again, it was the same thing. It was like, it's just lacking a little bit of substance. Okay. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Why would this girl, this random girl pick jay to write an article about in a magazine she did say she found her because she was at brown university too yeah i don't know i don't know if somebody gave her the topic and then she did like she said she did a cross-section and found graduates that didn't contribute to society yeah, contributed to society yeah which was kind of funny how do you find her she works retail at a souvenir shop you know like back then i mean when was this 2004 social media wasn't really like a thing back then so how did she find her probably through brown and plus her mother's an author and that she knows they live in niagara falls but i would say either through her mother being an author or through brown the alumni list you know don't they keep updated records of where people live or whatever or what they're doing or newsletters or whatever i don't know yeah, but I mean, like, where I went to college, no one knows, has any clue what I'm doing right now. I guess you're supposed to just believe that she's that good of an investigative reporter. <laughs> I guess, yeah. But I liked it overall. It, was, it wasn't bad. Like, like, like I said, I watched it. I chuckled out loud a couple times. You know, I, again, like the whole thing about her talking to inanimate objects, it wasn't really a big part. Like, it didn't play a huge role in this episode. So I think if, if that's kind of the, the background, like, I think it's got to be done a little bit more. Yeah, it didn't this time. And I feel like, and again, I'm going by memory. I feel like, I mean, the animal said the same thing through the whole episode. I feel like in other episodes, they go more in depth. Like it starts off with some obscure message and then the message changes to fit the situation. Yeah, did you ever watch Field of Dreams? Yeah. Yeah. It's like if you build it, they will come. Right. But then the message changes a little bit and it keeps on adding like little parts and pieces to the story. And then, spoiler alert, finally he figures out, okay, it was my father that's supposed to be here. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's like it was the message was the same. It was two, maybe three times throughout the whole episode that they said the same thing. And I I feel like there should be, like you said, like you start adding like little pieces to the puzzle until you finally get it the last time. You're like, oh, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. Now, don't quote me. I seem to remember that it gets a little more intricate, but yeah. I could be wrong. But as in this one, I do remember like a lot of times the message she thinks she's getting turns out to be something totally different. Yeah. All right. Well, if you don't have anything else. No. All right, we'll see you next time for episode three or two, depending on where you're watching. All right, see you later. Join us next time for season one of episode three, Roundup Penguin. See you soon. Goodbye now. Bye. Bye.
Don't forget to follow us on our website, EurekaRewatch.com, on Twitter, at Eureka Warehouse, on Facebook, at Eureka Rewatch, page name, Yeah, That Can't Be Good, and on Instagram, at Eureka underscore Warehouse. Episodes of Yeah, That Can't Be Good are available on our website, EurekaRewatch.com, on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Theme music for Yeah, That Can't Be Good, The Wonderfalls Edition, Gypsy Blues, provided by Paul Whitman and his orchestra, found on Pixabay, free for commercial and personal use. Thanks for listening. Come back soon.